It's time for Off the Clock with Dean Kucher. The only podcast that brings you business brown conversations with phenomenal guests, as well as the kind of fun and games that you have come to expect from the Off the Clock events right here in our Swigert Hall home. Join host Dr. Gene Kucher each month as he connects with three guests about topics of interest in business that complement what's happening in the classroom and in the field. Now get ready for Off the Clock with Dean Kucher, brought to you by the Norm Brodsky College of Business at Rider University, right here on 1077 The Bronx, the 2023 winner of the IBS Media Award for Best College Radio Station of the Year. Welcome to Off the Clock with me, Dean Gene Kucher. One of the most challenging aspects of professional life is striking the right balance between all of those priorities, work, personal, family, health, etc. And there's a host of reasons why this topic has everyone's attention. Companies are offering family-friendly work policies to retain employees. Company cultures are embracing all aspects of their people's identities. There's new skills and appreciations that have come from the blurring of lines throughout the pandemic. The up-and-coming generation is unapologetic to find meaning and fulfillment across different parts of life. So for these and other reasons, a major part of the employee experience is navigating work-family issues. On this episode of Off the Clock, we're talking to our guests, a student who's already getting practice on balancing work and a lot of extracurricular engagement, an alumna who's navigating this balance with a new family dynamic, and a faculty member who specializes in work-life conflict research while he himself attempts to find balance, this balance that is almost impossible. So enjoy the episode on work-life balance. Dr. Mark Promislow is a professor of management in the Norm Brodsky College of Business where he teaches courses like ethical management and advanced organizational behavior in both our undergraduate and graduate business programs. Prior to completing his doctoral degree, Dr. Promislow worked for Merck and company for seven years in market research and sales. His main areas of research are ethics and well-being and the work-family interface. His work has appeared in such publications as the Journal of Business Ethics, Journal of Management Education, and Journal of Organizational and Occupational Psychology. Dr. Promislow most recently had a paper accepted into the journal Psychological Reports, which we'll touch on today in our discussion of work-life balance. The research team includes very well-known and prolific scholars in the field, and the article content sounds fascinating and relevant for all who balance work and family demand. So let's listen to the interview with Dr. Mark Promislow. Dr. Mark Promislow, I've been trying to get you on the podcast for a while. I'm very happy that you're a guest today. Thanks for being here. I'm so happy to be here. So I'm going to jump right in. In this episode, we're talking about some of what goes in to people navigating that they have a job and then they also have a life outside of the job. Mm. And a lot of time those things can conflict. This is an area of study for you. Can you tell us when you approach this topic as a scholar uh, for our audience, as simply as you can put it, how would you describe this idea of work and life conflict? So the classic definition of work-life conflict was from uh, Greenhouse and Butel. They defined it as an incompatibility issue. So when participating in one role makes it more difficult to participate in the other role, such as family, volunteering, leisure time, Mm -hmm. anything that can conflict with work. So there's some incompatibility, like a time conflict or perhaps a stress conflict as well. Good. Now, can can you tell us some of the questions that you and I know you have some collaborators that you and your fellow researchers have explored around this general area of work-life conflict? Yeah. So the first study I did regarding work-life uh, conflict was actually about values. And so my research team wanted to know 
whether being materialistic, valuing objects, doing your best to try to acquire objects, may lead people to experience work-family conflict. And so we did a survey, and our hypothesis was actually supported that there was a connection between being more materialistic and having high levels of work-family conflict or work-life conflict. We thought one of the reasons for that was that the more time people devote to work may help their career success, but at the same time might take away from other areas of their life. More recently, I've become very interested in the emotions that people experience when they encounter work-life conflict. How does it make them feel? And how, how do they deal with all these emotions that they're feeling? And this has actually been an under-researched area mm-hmm. in our studies. And so we wanted to explore this, and our gut said that there is a whole world of feelings mm-hmm. that people do have when they encounter this kind of work-family conflict. Mm-hmm. So in our study, we ended up focusing on two different emotions, uh, guilt yeah. and shame. And we took a much different approach than most studies where they generally give a survey and ask people, what's your level of work yeah. life conflict that you've experienced maybe over the last month or so? But right. it's very, that's very vague. So in our study, it was a diary study where we actually asked people to track specific episodes of conflict that they experienced over a course of 10 days. Mm. And each time they experienced the conflict, what were the emotions that they were feeling? Mm. So this is becoming more, uh, this approach is becoming more utilized today to try to really get at the root of what people are experiencing. It seems so interesting. Like you've got now this wealth, I'm assuming this wealth of data that goes so much deeper than, I mean, you've seen survey data before. You've used that probably a whole lot, but this is a whole new world, I guess. It is. This is exciting to me because we we did have qualitative studies before this that were just interviews and asking people about their conflict, and that was helpful. But to put it in this kind of a framework and this kind of a diary study where we're really tracking it day by day what is happening in people's inner lives right. was was very, very interesting. And a lot of the comments also, the specific comments that people gave were also fascinating. Can you give, I'm sorry, can you give an example of like what an episode of conflict would look like? And then you said guilt and shame, so maybe how that feels. Yeah, looks. so we can actually go in two different directions. So we had people report episodes where work was interfering with their family life, for example. Mm-hmm. So perhaps a, a boss asked them to stay late at work, and they ended up missing an important family dinner. And they would write how they were feeling uh, with that. And a lot of times they did feel guilt about missing that family dinner. It can also go the other way, though, where sometimes a family need, let's say a child is sick, can interfere with a work demand. Right. And so there are emotions about that. And so people might feel ashamed for not completing a work assignment before the deadline. Yeah. So that's why we saw a whole web of different emotions and different um, kinds of conflicts that came up. I want to tell our our audience, too, if you want to read this study or other of Dr. Promislow's study, our libraries are ready to help you with that. But I think that it would be fascinating to go deeper for anybody who's listening that's interested. Definitely. Any any um, either high level conclusions from that one or next steps that you want to do as a as a follow up? Yeah, so our results actually showed that we saw some links between these specific emotions and well-being. And so guilt actually had some positive connections to well-being, while shame seemed to be much more negative. Mm -hmm. So in the case of guilt, it seemed to be that people take corrective action to try to get rid of the guilt, 
which is a positive thing and it repairs that that situation whereas shame led to negative outcomes mm. so we have a lot more to explore this was just our first study but it was a very uh, tantalizing uh, first step yeah. in, in this direction so guilt is better Channel your shame into guilt, is what I'm <laughs> right. hearing. Maybe channeling that shame because shame represents more of uh, an interpretation of yourself as a person. Okay. Versus guilt focuses on the behavior, okay. not you as a person. Okay. Which you can change. Which you can change. Which is the exactly. corrective piece you mentioned. Exactly. Okay, good. So a couple of applications of our study that uh, we felt were important is, number one, helping employers understand uh, their... Uh, workers' inner work life. What are they yeah. dealing with? What kinds of emotions are they experiencing? Which will help them actually support their employees in taking some kind of corrective action to okay. better deal with those conflicts. Okay. Do you think that happens a lot? Employers? And it's happening more and more. Uh, I do think it's becoming an increasingly critical issue that employees are insisting upon. They want to have a work-life balance. Yeah. And so everything, they are looking to employers to help them with that, yeah. for sure. And you're a management professor here, so you're theoretically you're working with, you're training, you're developing your future managers. So that's got to be something, a step in the right direction, that business schools like ours are training managers to be thinking like this, right? Absolutely. And so I know in all of our classes, we talk to our future managers about what they can do to help their employees, particularly with issues like work-life balance. What many companies today are doing is offering different kinds of work schedules, particularly mm -hmm. in light of COVID and what happened there. Many employers offer hybrid schedules mm -hmm. or even sometimes fully remote. Mm -hmm. There's a wide range of that because not all companies uh, uh, are buying into that. And some are still insisting that employees are there five days a week in person. But there, you are seeing a big movement to more hybrid schedule or a mixed schedule where yeah. they might work in the office certain days and out of the office other days we have a, a vocabulary around that now we have like a <laughs> collective skill set as a workforce right now that this is an expectation we can have and something that we know we can do well COVID, we needed to, but now it's something that we could do as, as, a, as a benefit. That's right. And, and actually, the study showed that people were very effective working from home. Mm -hmm. And the question is, do we want them working from home all the time? Yeah. Probably not. It, it, the the in-person interaction is useful, but perhaps it doesn't have to be 100% of the time. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm asking you not to be an expert with this other question. I'm asking you to be a working professional who I know you, I know that you have a family, you're very involved and hands-on and dedicated. And so what advice, well, what are some of the biggest challenges you have in your own balancing of work and non-work? And what advice do you have that comes from that? Without a doubt, the biggest challenge is uh, kids and juggling their busy schedules, mm. which sometimes seem more challenging and busy than our own yeah. uh, due to different school and different activities, gymnastics and swim and Girl Scouts. So that presents a lot of challenges, particularly when there are heavy work demands to be met during those times. So sometimes we find ourselves doing some work during gymnastics uh, practice yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So my wife and I are constantly tweaking our schedules to try to make everything fit together. And that can be a little exhausting sometimes. I would say one important thing is to set boundaries uh, as a family. So, okay, this is not work time. We are going to operate as a family and focus on our family and not let work kind of creep into that. Put the phones away. Let's have some yeah. time without screens. And so we can really focus on each other. And I think that actually helps people's work as well. Yeah, that's really good advice. Um, this one just kind of jumped up, and I didn't tell you I was going to ask this. But is there anything that you think, uh, so you talked about work-life conflict, but what about this idea of we can be better? Like, it might make us better uh, on our job based on what we 
develop skill wise or attitude wise at home and vice versa the yeah, flip side of it right and actually that's a whole other area of, yeah. of research which is called uh, enrichment where you things that you learn at home or at work can be used in the other domain and I think we will see more and more studies looking at that as well that's a growing area of work life research actually very yeah. interesting great I'm so happy that you're here our time unfortunately has run out but oh. uh, this has been very enlightening and interesting to me and I'm sure to our guests so thank I, you for I've being loved here. doing it thank you for having me And we'll be right back with the Off The Clock Podcast only on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. And we're back with Off The Clock with Dean Kuchar here on 1077 The Bronx, the 2023 winner of the IBS Media Award for Best College Radio Station of the Year. Our student guest today is Jenna Muller, a senior human resource management major who is part of the baccalaureate and business honors programs, as well as Omicron Delta Kappa Honor Society. She's a recipient of Ryder's Presidential Scholarship and an NBCB Engaged Learning Award winner in the category of co-ops and fieldwork. Jenna has held HR internships on campus, as well as with Toll Brothers. She holds leadership positions in a variety of clubs and organizations, including being the co-chair of Relay for Life, Programming Director of the National Panhellenic Council, Campus Traditions Chair of the SEC, Secretary of the Association of Commuting Students, and a Senator in the SGA. Jenna is a sister of Alpha Z Delta and president of Riders Human Resource Management Association chapter. Welcome, Jenna. Jenna Muller, I'm so happy that you're here on the Off the Clock podcast. Thanks for being a guest. It's great to be here. So, you know, we're talking about work and life balance. And so I wanted to get your perspective as a student and a very active and engaged student. So let's start that way. All of us deal with that very concept of balance. And so I want to ask you, as an engaged student, as someone who's very active, you have a full-time job, I guess, as a student, right? Yes. And then you also have other jobs, and then you have other things that are outside of the job realm. Mm -hmm. So my question for you is, give us a real brief sense of what it is that you spend your life doing, and then more importantly, how do you balance all of that? Yeah, so I spend a lot of time here on campus. I am a commuter, but a lot of my time is spent here. In the mornings, I work in HR every other day. Here at Riders HR office. Here at Riders HR Mm -hmm. office. Um, And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays in the afternoon, I intern in student affairs here at Rider. As well. And then I also am in the various other organizations on campus. So it's kind of like a nine to five every day um, with classes as well. But I make sure that I block off specific time for hanging out with people or mm-hmm. I block off time that says like, go home now. Yeah. And like put those in my calendar. Even little things like do your laundry. Yes. Just to have those like times blocked out to where I can't put meetings on there. I can't do other things because I have it scheduled. And and so give us a few hints around that time management piece of it, because you hit on a few things. You know, I counted a couple jobs, you know, in terms of on-campus stuff. Um, You have friends, you have, but you also sleep. You know, you also take care of yourself. Yes. So give us a little bit more about that time management piece of it. Blocking time out for specific things, I think, is a good example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I am a big, big, big advocate of Google Calendar. Mm -hmm. Um, I have everything on there, and if you were to look me up on there, my whole life is on there. So if it's even like the littlest thing, I'll still put it on my calendar just so Mm -hmm. that I personally keep track of myself, but also just so that I can see what I'm doing throughout the day and make sure that like I'm still getting to spend time like at home with my family. Um, Because I feel like a lot of the times if I am super busy, I'm like, wait, but I haven't seen my 
brother who lives with me yeah. in two days. And they're kind of stakeholders too. You know, you have yeah. important relationships with people in your life, friends, and and of course your your family. And even when you live with them, you find out you might not see them a whole lot. Right. You know, and that's kind of what I want to move into next. You know, if we're talking about work and outside of work balance, you are a senior. You're taking a very big step in your career here. Yes. You're about to <laughs> enter that after college, full time employee type of. Uh, type of lifestyle. What role do you think work-life balance has when you look ahead to your career, plan your career? How important do you think that's going to be for you? I think it's huge, um, especially like nowadays with COVID, like everything changed and you can work hybrid in a lot of mm -hmm. positions, um, which is nice for work-life balance because you kind of get to be home while you're working. You get to spend time with everyone, which is like, I think of the one of the best parts if you want to pick something good from the pandemic. And Thinking, because I want to work in higher ed, um, right. either in student affairs or human resources, um, thinking of that, those jobs are heavily relied on being on campus and like maybe being here past the normal hours. But I think still like keeping the Google Calendar or whatever type of calendar I have is something big and finding a job that isn't going to pull me away like all day long every day and that'll yeah. work with my schedule for whatever changes come in my life. Yeah. Now, when you talk to your peers and they're planning for their career. Do they talk much about that? Do you have a sense for what other students are thinking when it comes to work-life balance these days? Yeah, so we've all really been chatting about it a lot, especially yeah. because we're all like, oh no, we have to start applying for like big girl and big boy jobs. Yeah, right. Um, but it is like the biggest thing that people really talk about. One of my best friends just graduated college and is working at a company now. Um, and one of his big things was, I want to be able to work hybrid because I want to be able to go home and see my family because um, mm -hmm. he works 45 minutes away from his family and he lives like separate. So he wants to be able to like go back and forth and also just be home for like his friends and other relationships that he has in his life. So I think that also put it into perspective for me just to see somebody else do that. And then the people that I talk to now who are graduating in May yeah. also are just thinking about like, we can't be on 24 seven. Right. And as students, a lot of times we fall into that trap of like being on all the time. And I feel like personally, that's where a lot of burnout comes, especially for myself. Um, so that's been a huge topic of discussion and we're all kind of looking for that work-life balance in the future. Yeah. From what I, from what I've read and from talking to you, talking to students a lot, I hear that people are really leaning into that desire to have an employer that recognizes I'm a whole person. I'm not just an employee mm -hmm. for you, but I have other interests in life. And I think there was a point in time when we were coaching or preparing students to even just for interviews, you know, the the sense that you want to give to employers isn't that you're looking for work-life balance because to some employer interviewers that are listening to that, they think that that just means you don't want to work as much. Right. And those days are kind of gone because I think there's a recognition and I think you're right. Maybe maybe that era of remote work where everybody saw what it was like when you didn't have to commute. Now, I'll tell you, it does add some complications. Maybe you saw this when you were doing remote learning too. Mm -hmm. It adds some complications where, yes, I'm home and yes, I'm working. And so I can't necessarily, you know, it's, it might be harder. Right. You know, I know if I've got young, I do have young kids outside and sometimes it's easier to not be around them because it's hard to do work when you know that right. they're banging on the door outside. So it, right. it makes it complicated. A yeah. Bit, and I think I it's also, it's not only about like, I think a lot of times people think work-life balance, it's like you're either at work or you're at home. Yeah. But I think a lot of times it's also like, Maybe you're out doing community service or maybe you're just yes. like out doing something like fun. Like it's not just like right. 
being at work or being at home in your bed, like sleeping or something. Yeah. And that's why, and that's why we don't like refer to it as work family, which sometimes you do work family balance. Right. And I remember a time too, when employers would see, Oh, that is a parent's issue when of course it's not. I mean, mm-hmm. all of us have an outside of work activities yes. and priorities and, and it kind of gets even bigger than that. It's if our employer recognizes us for being a whole person with lots of different facets that make us who we are and work is an important one then that's something that I think we value. So it doesn't have to be family, but you're at, you're right. Community service is a great example, mm-hmm. right? And I know that's important. Yeah, that's for you huge too. for me. Like looking yeah. forward, there's a, like a lot of companies that I've seen too that like offer time for that. So yeah. I know that's like a, a big burning topic right now. Well, well, actually, it's a good transition because I know that in addition to being a senior who's about to graduate and start a job, you're an HR major. Yes. You know, and you said before you're looking for some positions. You're, you know, one of the areas you're looking to get to, of course, would be in HR. This is a big topic for HR, not just for us as employers, but for companies and mm-hmm. their HR divisions. So anything that you know of that companies might do really well in terms of their HR function? to support the work and non-work balance? I think one of the biggest things I've seen recently is Summer Fridays. Uh Um, And I know I've seen it in the past two years and I'm not sure if it was like came from COVID or like it just has been a thing but not as popular. But I know it was super popular last summer, especially like in the Philadelphia region Uh of either letting off work at noon or just getting off the entire day. Okay. And I, my internship that I did, we had every other Friday was a Summer Friday. So that was really nice just to like be like, it's nice out, like, go enjoy your life on this Friday afternoon or, like, right. Friday, like, totally, like, the whole day. Yeah, right. Um, so I think that is a huge thing. And I also think just, like, work flexibility, unlimited PTO. Um, and I feel like unlimited PTO is kind of scary to some employers because they're like, well, then everybody's just going to take off every single day. But I think it really depends on the company culture. Yeah. But when unlimited PTO is used correctly, I think it's wonderful because you don't have the barrier of, like, oh, no, I almost hit my three weeks or two weeks, but I'm sick and I don't want to have to call out and stuff like that. So I think those couple things are really huge in HR right now. Thank you for that. And, you know, I, I'm out of it a little bit, but I do remember reading quite a bit a while back that when companies do have unlimited PTO policies, people take even less of that time off yes. than when they had a designated number of days. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's I think I've always found that to be pretty interesting. And then another thing as we finish out here is... When I'm listening to you and talking about what you're saying, listening to you and what you're saying, I'm thinking, I hope that everybody who's listening realizes it's up to them to make the to be an agent for themselves, a manager of their own time, and recognize that your your supervisor is probably never going to manage your work life balance for you. You know, Absolutely. the best we can hope for is them to be supportive and for companies to have policies that are friendly and flexible. But it's always up to you, right? And yeah. you know, you can have stakeholders, whether it's your parents or your brother or your friends, or you can have those stakeholders, but it's ultimately up to you about how you want to spend it. Yeah, and I think a big thing, um, I saw a company have a motto that was like work hard, go home. Like, get your work done and then go home. We're not going to care about how long you work, if it's eight hours or five hours or whatever, as long as you get the work done. And then go enjoy your life. And they had it, like, posted around their building, which I thought was really unique. Yeah, and and I think it's the culture that supports that. You know, it's I've been – I've heard of places where they have – these um, policies like that or certain things in practice. Like if I try to send an email over the weekend, I'm going to get an automatic message back that says you shouldn't be online right now. Right. Which is kind of neat. But then if I have a supervisor that doesn't necessarily support it or team members, you know, coworkers 
who are all doing that work and I see, well, this is what gets rewarded here to be working, even if I'm getting that, that message back. I guess, I guess I'm just trying to say that it takes the policies and the culture that supports all of that. Yeah, it's definitely a team effort. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. It has to be. Well, I could talk with you all day about this, Jenna. I think you're going to be a wild success in your future, and I'm very happy that we got you here on the podcast before you graduate when it makes it just a little easier. I wish you all the luck, and thank you for being here on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And we'll be right back with the Off the Clock podcast only on 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7thebronc.com. And we're back with Off the Clock with Dean Kucher here on 1077 The Bronx, the 2023 winner of the IBS Media Award for Best College Radio Station of the Year. This next guest is Ryder double alum Taffy Lay, having received both a BS in HR Management and Entrepreneurial Studies and an MBA. As an undergrad, Taffy was involved with Darstock, Delta Sigma Pi, Alpha Lambda Delta, and Ryder Serves, while also playing in the Bronx Band and Flute Choir and was a member of the Entrepreneurial Studies, Chess, and Philosophy Clubs. She's currently a VP and Portfolio Manager 2 in Healthcare Lending at Investors Bank. And on a personal note, Taffy and her husband Chris welcomed their daughter Lily in April of 2022. This is my interview with a friend, Taffy Lay. Taffy, I'm so happy that you're here on the podcast. It's nice to see you. Thank you for being a guest. Thank you for having me. So you know that we're talking about work-life balance, and you and I have talked about this a lot, so I'm happy that we can talk about it now as part of the podcast. Um, What I'm curious about with you is how work-life balance change. I think this is the kind of thing that does not stay the same for people. It's always in a state of evolution and change. So I'm curious for you, how is work, the experience of work-life balance, how has it changed for you from when you first started your career to where you are right now? Well, when I first started my career, I wanted to make a name for myself, a reputation. I was new and I kind of wanted to learn the ins and outs of, of the company. And I think that I put in my time and I worked really hard at the very beginning, but work-life balance has changed over time after having my first child mm. uh, last year. And, you know, at first I really thought that I could do it all. I thought I can be that super mom who goes to PTO meetings and make sure I'm always there for her, like bake everything for everybody and be that superstar at work. And I realized, you know, after a while that it wasn't, as doable for me mm-hmm. and so I kind of did have to take a step back from focusing on my career not that I'm I've become um obsolete at work or lazy at work it's just that mm-hmm. there were late nights that I would have done within a heartbeat in the past where I won't do now and realize that you know my child also has needs and a baby does not have a regular morning and night schedule like we would mm-hmm. um, you're right about that yeah um and so realize that she is the priority even though work is important as well but whatever is whatever she needs um to to grow up with this is the priority yeah and so tell me a little bit more about that when uh how how are you on a daily basis okay with taking that step back have there been some strategies that you've used or support that you've gotten from the other people around you that has helped in taking that step back or or at least putting things into perspective yeah it helps that I have a partner my husband and 
just being on the same page as him and splitting up some of the duties, right? He's an accountant. So right now it's tax season for him. So it's a little more difficult. We were never the uh, HelloFresh kind of family where Mm -hmm. we were always make everything from scratch, but you just kind of had to take a step back and say, it's all right to be a little lazy and, you know, buy food out or get a little bit help there or asking even just family. I don't really have family nearby where who aren't working, who would be able to help out, but there'll be like neighbors sometimes will help us out. Um, And so that is, we try to cut a little bit of corners and it's all right to not do everything, you know, fresh and um, to the high standards that you have before. And it's okay because you know, that at the end of the day, your life is a little more important. Yeah. Now, uh, how about a little bit more about your leadership at work, like the supervision you've had, because you actually had an interesting situation where things changed while you were out on maternity. You came back to a different work situation than you left. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that was quite a transition to go from to go from uh, maternity leave and then come back to work where the majority of my workforce had left. The My group had just, the work that I was supposed to do did not get completed and it was through no one's fault. It was just that people were not there. Um, I think that it was a very stressful situation. The first month I worked super hard. I was at work early in the morning and worked all through the night and I would probably finish between like nine to midnight. And within the first three weeks after coming back from maternity leave for six months, I, I got burnt out. And, you know, I said to myself, well, some something has to change. And mm-hmm. for the very first time in my entire career, I'd actually asked for help. I reached out to my boss who at the time was very new to me and she's only known me for a month. I'd said, you know, hey, I need help and I can't do this alone. And I actually didn't realize this, but I was not alone in this, but I was Mm. the first person to ask for help. Mm. And so we actually had meetings and my boss had like talked to other people and had realized that we were all in the same boat with Mm. our stress level. It's just nobody wanted to say anything because no one wanted to be that person to to look bad to the new manager. But she was so understanding that this is our situation and and she wanted to help out as much as possible. Yeah. When you were a senior, you, I don't, you, you remember this, right? When you were a senior, you, we took, we did an independent study together, you and a few other students. Um, I don't know if they're listening, Christina, Steve, and Anne-Marie did this with you <laughs> also, right? And we spent the whole semester just talking about work, life, conflict, balance issues, right? Right, right. There was one article at the time that Anne-Marie Slaughter wrote in the Atlantic, I think, about can women can't have it all um, or can women have it all, I think. And I'd recommend anybody to take a look at this and what the compromises often are with people who do try to have it all. And we talked about all that kind of thing. And Taffy, I sent to you the um, assignment. It was like what some of your reflections or thoughts at the end of that semester Um just the other day. So this is how many years later? That was 2015? Yeah. So, it was so eight we're years talking later. eight years later. You're in a different spot in your life. You now are a parent and a professional. Um, what did you think about that? I I thought it was so crazy that I, I wrote about all this because this is what I learned in a textbook setting, you know, from from videos and learning about it through 
just reading articles. And I think that it's nice that I looked into work-life balance at the time because I can see what my priorities and my values were at the time and they still remain. Yeah. And it's it's nice to kind of see my own words again to say, yeah, and I'm and I'm just gonna read what I wrote. Oh yeah. Um I wrote uh, as Nigel Marsh puts it, if you don't design your life, someone else will design it for you. And I thought that was so interesting because that's advice that I give commonly to other people mm. when when they feel like their life is out of control or they don't want to take care of something or they need that work life balance. I let them know like, hey, you know, if you don't choose your path in life, then life will choose it for you. So we might as well be in control of something. So well said. I'm yeah. I'm so happy that that we could uh, reflect on that and and the fact that it stayed with you and you feel the same way now as you suspected you were going to feel then. I think that that's really. I think it's really powerful. Any other advice that you've either received from others or that you'd like to pass along to others when it comes to um, when it comes to managing these different spheres of your life, work and non-work priorities. I think something that we know but we kind of forget is to be kind to yourself you know I had all these high expectations of what kind of person I want to be in college what kind of employee I wanted to be when I started work and now what kind of mother I would like to be as I'm experiencing motherhood for the first time and I had these high expectations not realizing that I set my goals a bit too high and would end up disappointed after not getting what I wanted to get accomplished within a short period of time. You know, you don't, you don't become this great all-knowing person, all um, wise mother all in one day, you know, that it takes time. And being productive in one day and doing as many things in one day doesn't mean that that is what productivity is. I think that um, the goals should be more reasonable to yourself and it's mm-hmm. okay if you don't accomplish anything in one day it's okay to lounge around as well you know you're a human being and you need that rest to be productive the next mm-hmm. day thank you so much for your insights today for being a guest it's always good to see you taffy thank you for being here on the podcast thank you so much and we'll be right back with the off the clock podcast only on 1077 the bronc and 1077thebronc.com And we're back with Off the Clock with Dean Kuchar here on 1077 The Bronx, the 2023 winner of the IBS Media Award for Best College Radio Station of the Year. Welcome back to Off the Clock. I'm joined now by Charles Ray, as well as our episode guests and members of our Off the Clock team. Thank you all for being here for my favorite part of the episode, Game Time. And to remind everyone listening, our three guests are each playing today's Game Time segment on behalf of a student randomly drawn from our social media network, Professor Promislow. Who are you playing for? I am bringing it home for Kyle Gerber. All right. And Taffy, how about you? I'm going to kill it for Zaina Lee. And last but not least, Jenna, who are you playing for today? I'm going to win for Taylor Stockdale. Well, only one of you can win, so let's get down to business and see what happens. Uh, thank you, contestants. As usual, we have two fun games to play. I'm very excited about our first one. This is an homage to my favorite radio show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR news trivia show. And they love their limericks, and so do I. And since this episode is being recorded for release in the month of March, I am being true to my heritage 
and honoring St. Patrick's Day with our first game today, which is called Limericks. All right, so each of you will be read a limerick related to some current events at the time of this recording. We will leave out the last word of the limerick, but you know that limericks follow an A-A-B-B-A rhyming pattern so that the missing word at the end will rhyme with the final word of the first two lines. You will simply have one chance to answer the question and a right answer to this gives you three points. Are you guys ready to play? Professor Promislow, you're up first, sir. Okay. Retailers share what's been trending. The January bump may be ending. They're all a bit scared. Even Walmart's not spared. Consumers will slow down their spending. You got it. Spending is correct. You got it. It's true. January retail data showed an uptick in performance for many types of retail, including department stores, clothing stores, home furnishings, etc., after a decline in late 2022. However, it's expected that a spending slowdown will occur. Giants like Walmart and Home Depot are expecting for spending to stay flat or start to decline in the coming in the coming months. High levels of inflation are motivating shoppers to search for bargains and be particularly cautious in their spending habits. But for you, it means three points. Good job. All right, so Jenna, you're up next. Now I know these baristas will toil and I get sometimes milk will spoil. But my latte tastes ick, and the mouth feels all slick. Starbucks has brewed this with. That's a good. That's a good one. Um, I'm unsure. The answer is oil. Oh. It's oil. Uh, it's true. Starbucks is now making drinks that include a healthy spoonful of extra virgin olive oil. The drinks are now being sold in Starbucks stores in Italy. Starbucks is calling this line Oleato, and the drinks include a latte with oat milk and olive oil, an Oleato ice shake and espresso with oat milk, hazelnut flavor, and olive oil, and the Oleato golden foam cold brew made with a version of Starbucks sweet milk foam infused with two olive oil servings. They'll be available this spring in the U.S., first in the Southern California market, and after that, who knows? Well, Jenna, just so that you know, I thought you said ensure, and I was like, that's a brilliant <laughs> idea for for a Starbucks to make coffee with ensure. So you might have just started something there. You should get credit for that. <laughs> All right. So Taffy, you are next. Empirical studies now bless a way to reduce worker stress. There are other pluses. Don't know what the fuss is. Let's stop working more and work less. Less is correct, Taffy. In a pilot program in the UK, 61 participating companies had their employees work a four-day work week. Among the outcomes, employees report better well-being, less stress and burnout, less work-life conflict, but also modest revenue increases. 92% of the companies continued to use this schedule after the study ended. But what it means for the game is we've we've got a tie at the moment, but there's a second game, so it all belongs to anybody at this point. And now let's move on to our second game. Our second game today is called Nepo Babies. Yes, Gene. The kids today are all talking about Nepo Babies. The recognition that in many walks of life, it's as much who you know as what you know. The term has been most popular with reference to Hollywood. But on this episode, we're talking about the balance between business and family. So let's talk about some high profile examples of people getting into the family business. So we have three stories of Nepo babies in business, courtesy of recent articles in businessinsider.com. 
After introducing each quote Nepo baby, we will ask you a question about that company. If you know the answer, you get four points. If you do not know the answer, or if you'd rather just have us give you some options, you can guess from three multiple choice options. And in that occasion, you get two points. Professor Promislow, you're up first. The Salzberger family has run the New York Times for more than a century. Arthur Gregg is now the fourth member of the Salzberger family to hold the title of chairman, succeeding his father, Arthur Ock Salzberger Jr. The question, what is the slogan or marketing tagline of the New York Times? All the news that's fit to print. I grew up on the New York Times. You got it. All right. And speaking of 1896, I do believe that's the first year that Rider University began admitting female students. You can fact check me on that, but I feel like I came across that recently. All right. Next up is Taffy. J.Y. Lee became the executive chair of Samsung Electronics last fall. His father, Lee Kun Hee, served as CEO before his passing. Interestingly, J.Y. Lee has served jail time for bribing an associate of a government official. He was later pardoned by the South Korean president, allowing him to assume the position at Samsung. The question, Samsung, which is an electronics giant, but also has a construction division, teamed up with Six Flags, the amusement park giant, in 2016 to create what? A roller coaster? Hmm. Can you be a little more specific? I'm guessing roller coaster is not the answer. <laughs> hmm. It's part of the answer. Okay. Um, I'm going to say, let's see, Samsung. They're all electronic y. True. And it's six flags. You know, I really don't know. Uh, I'm going to guess a roller coaster, mm-hmm. so the nitro. Is it A, the world's largest virtual arcade, B, mobile whack a mole, or C, virtual reality roller coaster? It's C. C is your final answer, Taffy? Yes. Okay, C is correct. It's a virtual reality roller coaster, courtesy of Samsung Electronics and Systems. Interestingly, I don't know if everybody knew this, but Samsung started selling uh, not electronics, but noodles. Noodles and other groceries. It was their their the first um, electronic that they sold was a twelve inch black and white television. There you go. A little bit about Samsung. All right, and finally, last but not least, Jenna, it is your turn. Delphine Arnault is the executive vice president of Louis Vuitton, a subsidiary of French fashion and luxury goods company LVMH. Before that, she was an executive with Christian Dior another subsidiary of LVMH. Her father, Bernard Arnold, is the CEO of LVMH. He is also known to be the richest man in the world. The question, earlier this week, Louis Vuitton named a pop star as its artistic director of menswear. Who is that happy pop star? I'm gonna guess Pharrell. You got it. That's right. Pharrell Williams, the happy pop star. That was a shot in the dark. And you deserved it, Jenna. There you go. <laughs> Congratulations on that one. I've got a fun fact for you. Did you know that the iconic Louis Vuitton LV logo was designed by Louis Vuitton's son, Georges Vuitton, his only child? He designed the logo back in 1896, which you might remember was the same year as the New York Times, as the New York Times slogan contest. And that was four years after Louis Vuitton died. 
And once again, that was also the same year that Ryder College admitted female students. That's what you said. That's right. That's right. Well, I want to thank all of the guests. Um, our our scorekeepers are going to let us know where we landed. Because um, I know I certainly have forgotten. It looks like we have a very, we had a very intense competition. Uh, Jenna, you've earned four points. Taffy earned five points. Mark, you earned seven points, making you the victor in today's competition. So remind us again, what student will be the beneficiary of that hard work of yours? I, uh, I played for Kyle Gerber. So please enjoy everything that's coming to you. I know Kyle, very good. <laughs> Thank you everybody for joining us for game time. Thank you. Thank you for hosting. Thank you. I want to thank our guests and, of course, to all of you for listening. It feels like we just scratched the surface, so I wouldn't be surprised if we have a follow-up episode in our future. And I'd like to extend my best wishes for all of us as we work hard to serve others and find fulfillment in the various domains of our engagement. And that's on the clock and off the clock. Thanks for listening. Keep on learning. Thank you for joining us for the Off the Clock podcast here on 1077 The Bronx, the 2023 winner of the IBS Media Award for Best College Radio Station of the Year. Special thanks to our host, Dr. Gene Kucher, our production staff, Jim Wister, Trisha Adams, and Liz Carrion, and everyone at the all-new digital broadcast studios of 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com including the incomparable John Moses. This is your OTC announcer, Charles Ray, saying, see you next time when we can get together off the clock.